choir there. Before we start, I want us to quickly pray. Um, I will just use one Bible verse, then we'll start with the head talk. So let's bow down our head as we pray. Heavenly Father, King of Glory, we want to welcome you again to our midst. We thank you for the privilege to be among the living soul today. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for good health. We thank you for provision. We thank you for guidance. We thank you for protection. Father, Lord, accept our thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Lord God, we want to talk about our health. We want to pick from what you have dropped into us. And we want to nourish others. Father, Lord, begin to release unto us in Jesus' name. That at the end of this day, we have focused to glorify your only name. For in Jesus' mighty name I have prayed. I want us to open our Bible to Romans chapter 1. The Bible says that because those people refuse to keep in their mind true knowledge about God, He has given them over to a corrupted mind so that they do the things they should not do. Another Bible verse will say, Because men fail to retain God in their mind, that God gave them to what? A reprobate mind. To do things which are not convenient. And I want to tell you about our health today. People fail to retain God in their knowledge, in their doings. And that's why many people are suffering today. Presently, I manage the old critical care unit of Evercare Hospital. And I see consultant, first cardiology consultant. And uh, from my experience, at least I'm more than a decade in this field. Most secret that husband and wife keeps to themselves at their youthful age is so glaring at their old age when they bring them to the hospital. You see that young lady there you saw at your 16, 18, and to your 20, wherever age you got married, God has given you the will and the affection to approach and to say this is your bone of bone, your flesh of flesh. And after a few years, you don't find our worthy again. It's a lot. It speaks a lot in future. I really want each and every father here, we are a man here, the young ones, to listen to this very well. When husband and wife come to the hospital, we hear so many things. The truth about how their family is functioning is usually tabled in front of us. I remember there was this young lady, she's around 13 years in marriage, presented to us with what we call palpitation, some kind of uh, dystrythmic uh, condition of the heart, whereby your heart just beats too fast without any cause. And we did all the possible tests to find out what could be the cause did an ECG, did echo, stress test to find out, okay, what is the cause of your palpitation? We couldn't pick and we have to go the other way. And the only thing we found out that is we men know our occurring. The man when he comes home is always frowning. Even when your wife wants to tell you the present issue, he's always frowning. He doesn't smile at all. And I remember Dr. Adenle asked uh, the man that day and said, Sir, your wife said you always frown when you come on that. 
Psychologists And after like four or five sections, they went for a paid trip. We paid for it. And that's the end of the disease condition. Men. This mental health issue is now becoming more rampant. I can start talking about hypertension because it's another most common disease condition we have in Nigeria. And how did that happen? Yes, Lagos is stressful. What do you eat at home? But seriously, the pressing issue in my head now is our mental health. Husband and wife, you need to start taking this thing serious because it's affecting the children. If you ever grow up in a dysfunction family, then you will understand very well what you are building up or what the foundation you are laying for the children and the, the ones to come. The life expectancy of men, especially Africans, has reduced recently by 25% to women. And imagine when you get to that time that you needed them most. Like what I was telling you, this is where what we see in the hospital, like the one I'm dealing with now. That's what Mama is saying. And these people, they are in their 70s. We cannot be perfect. There is no marriage that there is no argument. It is meant to happen. But the truth is, make sure you resolve it before it gets out of hand. Please, mental health is a big issue in Nigeria today. And it's not just for men alone. But I can see that men, sorry, you know, I'm a, man, I'm a man too. So I'm not trying to side the women that we cause most of these things. And it's not just that we cause it, it's just because we don't have that good communication with our wives. Even the children at times may need to know some things. If you communicate clearly to your family, some of these issues that some of us have in our lives today will be resolved. And that's what I want to say about mental health. I don't, I pray after this, I don't know, I pray that Holy Spirit will minister this more to you. That after this, you go back and go and reason it. We see a lot in the hospital. The secret of your wife, the secret of the husband, they table it in front of their doctors like that. And the secret of the family comes to the hospital at the old age. Like the, the chief and his wife I'm trying to tell you today. And like the man I told you again. There's one popular man. I think I mentioned it to somebody. One lecture I went to like this before. There's owner of one street in Surulere. He has 28 wives. 28. Some of them have gone. Some have died and all that. And he couldn't see again. And the only person the man trusted Apple to be his household. How? 
How? That nobody can bring food for him, even his own children. And his first son was telling us the story that, you know, daddy will take all of us, 14 of us, to UK. We'll play, we'll go for this and all that. What now happened? Where did they miss it? There's so many things going on in the world today. Please, I really want this to sink to your head. Like you need to resolve family issue. At this time, it's going on everywhere. Actually, the economy is not good again. So you need to find a point to meet and say, my dear, we need to adjust. She will tell you, our mommies in the house, they know that things in the market is not the same again. They want you to have to the what? The money you are dropping at home. And this is the high time to do. And mommy too, daddy is struggling to actually keep up with the responsibility. You need to help them manage. And these are discussions that you don't just frown to discuss it. Excuse me. You have to discuss it in love. So I'm going to be talking on some cardiac related issues. Cardiovascular disease is a broad disease caused from the basic one, what we call coronary artery disease. We have valvular disease as well, but in cardiovascular disease, we have disease like coronary artery disease, what we call the angina, which is the basic one everybody knows. Uh, you call it heart attack when you're having chest pain. I'm trying to find a way to narrow it down for you so that you understand. So cardiovascular disease simply means that there is reduced in blood flow to the heart due to issues like arteroma deposits in the uh, artery that supplies the heart. And when you have that, you see the heart is a pump on its own. And the way God has made the heart, he made the heart in such a way that for, any, for him to plump any blood into every other part of the body, he has to pump blood to himself. So, pumping blood to himself is through what we call the coronary artery. And the coronary artery must always get blood, what we call oxygenated blood at every point in time. So, when there is deprivation of blood to the heart, that's when people start holding their chest. You see, they say they are having chest pain, which is the cardinal sign of coronary artery disease. At times, not all chest pain is coronary artery disease, but most times, it's usually coronary artery when it reduces to the neck, to the jaw, to the left hand, and for women, most times, they have back pain as well. So, coronary artery disease is one of the leading cause of death all over the world and we all need to know and what are the major causes of this high cholesterol level what we call hyperlipidemia another thing is hereditary people that they have they have family issue of maybe somebody suddenly died in their family if you did not do autopsy then you might have to go and do. if you don't do you might have to be checking yourself maybe your dad your mom have that kind of history before they die. You know. Another thing is diabetic. People with diabetic usually have what we call uh, we call it diabetic pattern of coronary artery disease. They they have high deposit of arterial plague. 
in their aortic arteries. And when there's reduce in blood flow in the coronary artery, people start having chest pain. How can I explain this? In a layman term, the heart is, let's say the heart is like this, and there's a pipe that is supplying the heart like this. So if there's any blockage in the pipe supplying this part of the heart, then that part of the heart is not getting oxygenated blood and some nutrients, then the parts die, then you start having that chest pain. And when, we, when you start having chest pain, the first thing you want to do is quickly sit down and rest. Because there are two types of coronary artery disease, what we call the stable angina and the unstable one. So the stable one means that you have a narrowing that when there's increase in demand of blood supply to the heart or demand for oxygen to the heart, because of the narrowing you have in your coronary artery, it cannot meet up the demand to your heart muscle. Then you start having just chest pain. So it usually shows when you are exerted. What we call stable angina will show when you are exerted, like when you are running and you are having chest pain. That is a stable angina. And you realize that when you rest, then the pain goes away. And when you start having that kind of a pain, the next thing is you need to go to your doctor. The next thing is, the other type is what we call the unstable angina. The unstable angina can happen at any point in time. And that's because the, the blood supplies to the coronary artery, to the heart, is being, uh, is being obstructed. Or at that point, there is a clot that is obstructing the flow to the heart. Then whether you sit, whether you are running, you are having that chest pain continuously. And that is unstable angina. And the, two, uh, the difference between the two is when you are dressed, you don't feel the pain. Some people, even when they finish eating, you see them, they say they are having pain because maybe uh, they will say, ah, uh, I just finished eating. So those ones, we used to do differential diagnosis to know whether... Is it GI-related, what we call peptic ulcer or duodenal ulcer, or JED? Or is it normal angina? But when you have an angina that even when you are at rest, the pain did not go away. That is called unstable angina. And home remedy to all this. The best thing is when you have an unstable angina, Make sure you get to a center, not just mobility hospital. Not if the mobility hospital has a cardiologist there, then you can go. If my work clinic, whatever clinic you have around, doesn't have a cardiology in that hospital, please go to the biggest center. See, it might just be a drug that will help you out. So the teaching we have been going around teaching people is chest pain should not be underrated. And what we have disco uh, discovered in Nigeria today is most of even our doctors don't properly diagnose this condition. 
Why? Because they are limited in resources and information as well. So, most times, people can actually diagnose that, okay, you have chest pain, you can say this is angina, but how do they go further in the management? So, at times, if you don't open up a blood vessel within certain time, it will lead into what we call heart failure. It's like this. You see, if there is a blood supply to this part of the heart, heart is a pump, remember, it pumps from the day you are being conceived. It's pumping continuously. So when there is deprivation of oxygen or blood supply to that part of the heart, that part dies. But if you are able to quickly open it when it's giving you that sign, it's a sign that when you're having that chest pain, it's a sign that something's wrong with your heart. And if you are able to quickly open up that part, then you can save that part again. We call it revascularization. And when you revascularize it and the blood is flowing there, it's, that, it's like you cut a tree. I'm sure for the kids too, they do stem uh, grafting. That you cut a tree from another plant and put it together. Once there's supply, it flows again. And that's what we we'll do. We we'll do what we call PCI, percutaneous coronary intervention. What we do there is we open up the vessel by putting what we call stent, a small tubing, into the coronary artery to make sure that blood flows through that vessel. And the person continues work. It's like fixing the heart back to when you don't have nothing. But it's just that you might need some lifestyle modification. Taking some antiplatelet drugs, taking antilipidemia drugs, those are drugs and maybe some beta blockers, something to cool, calm your heart. Those are the things we put in place. But when, this, when you ever find anybody that says they have a chest pain, Please, I'm saying again, whether your family, your friend, go to a proper hospital. Not all hospitals can treat heart disease, especially when it comes to myocardial infarction. Because, see, we call, I don't want to call it that name because most people don't know. You call it heart attack. It is actually called myocardial infarction. Infarction means there's shortage of blood to that part of the heart. An infection is a dead tissue already. The heart is dying. So there are three eyes in, in, in what they call coronary issue. We call it injury, myocardial injury, myocardial infection, and myocardial ischemia. Ischemia means there is no blood supply. Infection means that the tissue over there is dying. At the time that you are feeling that chest pain, it simply means you are having injury. The amount of blood going to that part of the heart is not enough. You're having chest pain. It's like somebody just cut you a pain, a blade. You're just feeling pain at that time. But by the time the blood supply is cut off, then it's like uh, you stop wetting a flower. What will happen? It will die. And that is the infection. What everybody knows today as heart attack. It's called myocardial infarction. That is, that part of the heart is dying. Now, when that part of the heart dies, that leads me to the next topic I want to talk about. It's called heart failure. Then you can start having some dysrhythmia. Dysrhythmia means that the heart, the pumping function of the heart 
is in desynchrony. My English is too much. Uh, it's not in, okay. It's not coordinated. And at that time, what we call cardiac output, that is the pumping effectiveness of the heart, is not good again. Then your brain, your leg, your kidneys, they are not getting enough blood supply. And that is a major problem. Now, generally we have three types of heart failure. We have the right heart failure, we have the left heart failure, and we have the, the what we call congestive heart failure. The right heart failure most times is as a result of the left heart failure. And when we are talking of heart failure, generally what it means is that your heart is not pumping enough blood so that you can function. You realize that some people naturally in old age because their heart is becoming very weak. They cannot climb stairs. It's not because of anything. The pumping effect of the heart is not as strong as a young girl that can speak. And I'm just giving you that. So in heart failure, the pumping effect of the heart is compromised. And the person might not be able to function well. For those of us that drive, when your car is not having enough fuel, what happens? You'll be jacking. That's the kind of thing that happens in heart failure. And in heart failure, if it's not well taken care of, that is the end because the heart is like it's like the only organ that serves the whole body with nutrients, blood supply. Brain coordinates every activities, but the heart is a special organ that must work efficiently and effectively at every point in time. That's why what we eat today, some men, we like meat a lot. In Nigeria, we discovered there's a study we did we call it uh, West African Society of Echocardiography, which uh, prof, Professor Gunyaki, we did it at First Cardiology like in 2016-17. And the result shows that African hearts are still better. And what we call uh, ejection fraction, that is the amount of blood pumped out by the heart to keep every individual to function effectively. For Africans, the cutoff is now 60-65%. Unlike a few years ago, when we haven't done the African study, it used to be 50-55. You say the person's ejection fraction is 50, that means the patient, the patient, the patient's heart is good. But now, it's at 65. So when we now see 50, Sama, it's still good but it's coming down. So it is very important for each and every one of us to take care of our heart. We discovered that has high cholesterol level. That's why we recommend red, uh, what do you call it? Ororo. Eh? What? Eh, that's what I'm saying. Red oil. We don't really want people to be using red oil as such. Then for the Igbos, we realize that people from 
What is Akwabio State again? Akwai bomb. People from the east that they eat a going. Pamkane or the raw one. The raw one. As they are plucking it from tree, they are doing it themselves. They are using it to cook a dikaiko. You know, banga soup. When they present to us in the hospital, they are, they are coronaries. That is the, the blood supply to the heart. They usually have a lot of arterial deposits. And there's still a study going on on them. That some, uh, there's a prof in maybe Kano or something that is taking it up already. To do a study on this, on this three tribe, our social, cultural, background, economy, and see the, the relation to our coronary artery disease and all those things. So they are already doing a study, but what we have seen in the clinic is this. People that eat all those egoi, red out a lot, they usually come up with it. Now, alcohol is another big problem. Alcohol is the social thing men do now. And it's killing a lot of people. Smoking is the, is the most dangerous one. Because if you ever seen a smoker's heart, you will be scared. And most times it's very difficult. Once they develop that, uh, what do you call it, coronary artery disease, and they continue to smoke, within a few years they are gone. So it's a big problem when you see a young guy smoking and at the same time they are drinking alcohol, please tell them they are about to go. I used to tell all my friends, no, oh, you can take red wine once in a while. It's not bad. It's not bad, red wine. Alcohol, see, let me tell you, some of us, uh, some, we, I, because I'm a pastor in my school, I used to say, people don't drink alcohol, like, until when I, we went to do some study, and myself and Oka, we went to Cape Town. And somebody was talking about the study of all this and all that. And I felt like, ah, there's no way we can preach this in church. So I will just leave that. I will leave that one there. Alcohol is not good. And I can tell anybody, if you love your heart, you love your kidney, please do away with alcohol. Your liver is the one that filters. There's something we call first pass effects of every drug. So every drug gets detoxified in the liver. And liver filters out uh, the drug as they reach certain level of their function. So it takes it out. If you now use alcohol, if you now take a lot of alcohol, you are damaging your liver. The most common one is with people that eat red meat, eat suya left and right, drink a lot of alcohol. There's this, the common one that we usually see is when you start seeing liver enlargement, they first tell you, go and do some exercise. We we'll tell you, go and do exercise because we want you to burn out the excess shiny liver thing we see in your liver. And after that, we we'll tell you, cut down some of your diet. But if it's alcohol-induced liver problem. Excuse me, ma. You might, if you did not quickly take cognizance to whatever they are telling you, then that might be the end. And you see, liver is, a ma is one, another major, uh, what do you call it, organ in the body. And if it's not well taken care of, it's a problem. 
I'll quickly go into hypertension. But I think everybody already know that because last day I came here and I think I talked about hypertension. Uh, we have the essential one, which is like primary hypertension. Uh, it's related to your weight size, stress, and the secondary one, which uh, the secondary hypertension is related to any disease condition. Like if you have heart failure, you have diabetics and all that then you can develop hypertension. How do we prevent all these things I'm talking about? Just give me maybe two more minutes just to round up. Mommies, daddies, the reason why I put up that Bible verse, Romans 1.28, I used to remember that verse a lot. You see, most times, we are the ones that actually cause most of this our health problem. We talked about what we eat. All of us knows that when you do something too much, it is not good. The only thing me I know that is not too much is when you pray. I don't think there's any part of the Bible that says don't pray too much. You can pray. When you do things too much, please, I think it's not. If you are the one that like Edikaiko every day, Edikaiko, Eguzi every day, Kiniko every day, it's a big problem. The other thing is this, like I'm saying, you know that uh, each time you have a uh, headache, it's parastamol you want to take. When you are taking those drugs too much, you are killing yourself. Some people like that. I've seen a friend that say, ah, me, I cannot do without taking parastamol. You're killing yourself. These are things that we do to kill ourselves. Another thing is, at home, I can't do without, I can't eat without eating meat. Please. Daddy, one day, try and change to fish. Try chicken. Let them even peel out the skin for you. I recommend that every man here, when you are above 40, 45, start taking chicken. Red meat is not good. I'm going to be 40, by the grace of God, next year. And I already told them like two years ago that I don't want to be eating meat again because I know what is behind it. Meat kills a lot. That red meat. Suya. I was exposed to use suya one year and that was when I realized that I don't think this is good for me. So please, let's mix it together. Once in a while, meat. Once in a while, meat. Especially if you have crossed that path. Stress is killing so many people. In fact, I stopped cutting the front of my hair because I realized that I'm becoming overstressed. I'm telling you this. Eh? I stopped it all because I don't want, I want to look young. But the stress is too much. And I realize that my blood pressure is already going up. Because of what? Every day, work, 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 work. Even when you're sleeping at home, they're calling you. Please, please don't let us do some things too much. Praise the living Jesus. We want to appreciate God for this opportunity. And we pray that the Most High God, we attend to each and every one of us this evening, whatever the issue may be, in the name of Jesus. I want to tell us that God is so much concerned about us. Not just our body, our spirit, and our soul. And the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, tells me that, that God is so much, you know, concerned about you as an individual, your body, your spirit, and your soul. 
first John, sorry, third John, third John, verse two. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Yes, thank you very much. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest be, thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. If we read other version, we see how God tells us about our body and also our soul. So God is so much, you know, concerned about your health physically, your health mentally, and your health socially in all ramifications of life. God will help us in Jesus' name. So I want to start that, I mean, by saying, I mean, the definition of health. WHO, that is World Health Organization, says that health is a complete state of physical, mental, and social well-being. And not just the absence of infirmities or disease. Do we understand that? It is not only when you don't have um, maybe one ill health or the other. You are not having malaria, you are not having hypertension, you are not diagnosed to be having DM, and you say you are healthy. No. Until your physical health is taken care of, your mental health is taken care of, and also your social health is taken care of, that is when you can say that you are completely well. You have complete well-being. God will help us in Jesus' name. You see, mental health is very broad. And I wouldn't want to go into every aspect of mental health. But I want to speak on um, stress. I will dwell so much on stress. But before going that, I mean doing that, I want to tell us the WHO meaning of mental health. I've just defined um health according to who to us now i want to define mental health who define mental health as a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own capabilities you realize this is the extent to which i can do things both physically mentally socially in every way this is the extent I switch, I can go because BC is different from Ola, the man that has just finished speaking. And Ola is different from Olumide. Olumide is different from Ayo. Every one of us, we have our own individual differences. And that's why mental health has to do with you realizing your own, your own ability. It says a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities. The individual can cope with normal stress of life and can work productively or fruitfully and is able to make a contribution to his or her own community. That is mental health. You realize your ability. 
your capability, what you can do. And you also can cope with normal stress of life. Life itself brings stress. And a little stress makes you more productive. If you are not faced with stress, you will not do what you are supposed to do. So you can, uh, mental health has to do with you having the ability to cope with the normal stress of life. And then you are able to be productive in anything you are doing. You are productive, you are fruitful, and you are able to relate with your immediate environment. You are able to relate with your neighbor. You are able to relate with your children. You are able to relate with your wife. You are able to relate with your husband. You are able to relate with everyone productively. That is what mental health is. Now, I said I'm going to dwell so much on stress. Stress has to do with every area of our lives. But by the time this stress gets to a peak, a certain area, you begin to realize that the individual will now be less productive. And that is when the mental health definition is not being met. So stress, I would define stress as a disturbance to your rest of mind or rest of your body. And it is related to pressure. So I'm defining stress as a little disturbance or any capacity of disturbance to your rest of mind or rest of the body. And it is related to pressure. So once we have stress coming up or pressure coming up from any quarter, then we begin to experience some sort of stress which can affect any area of our lives. It can affect our physical body, it can affect our social relationship with people, it can affect our mental health, which is the core point of what we are here to discuss about this evening. So, what are the stress, I mean, various um, things or types of stress that we have. We have acute stress. It can happen suddenly. Like an individual that is being told now. Like, okay, let me use the example of <laughs> my child. They were in the, the three of them are in the university and you know the university have been on strike for quite some time. So when they call off the strike, one of them was doing exams actually before the strike started. And when, I, when she was at home, my husband told her, be ready, you know, these people, they will not give you a chance by the time you get back to school. Be reading, they said, daddy, don't worry, I will read, I will do that. Immediately they got back to, to the school. They told them that you are completing that examination. And she called, hey, mommy, be praying, oh, be praying, oh. I said, what is it? He said, they said we want to do exam. I said, that is stress. But you have to use it uh, productively. And she has to 
go through some rigors and the rest, read, 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 overnight, read, and the rest. And at the end of the day, she was able to do the exam uh, examination. What am I talking about? The stress, you know, we always make you to be proactive. But when it becomes too much, then it can lead to less production. And I said acute stress, something that come up suddenly, all of this, I mean, just like that, like the one I mentioned concerning my child. Then there are some accumulated stress that we call chronic stress. It has accumulated over time that we don't tend to give cognizance to, that we don't tend to give much attention to. A little thing here, it's one of those things we still continue. Kama bayi, the Lord is my strength. I will continue to do it. You continue to push and you begin to accumulate it, accumulate it, accumulate it till the individual will now break down. Either break down physically, break down mentally, or break down even socially. Now, that is chronic stress. Then, there is another type of stress that we call executive stress. And that has to do with many, I mean, almost all of us in the, the working class people. You have, have a lot of things to attend to. And you also have a lot of things at work. You also have a lot of things to attend to at home. And if God has made you a leader in the church as well, you have a lot of things to attend to in the church. So that is executive stress. You have the stress coming up left, right, and center. We just need to balance things so that we'll be able to live optimally and be able to live a productive life at the end of the day. Sources of stress. Number one, live events. Live events can be a source of stress to us, which can be positive or negative. Live events like my wife just put to bed. Extra work on the wife, extra work on the father. Extra work in the sense that the baby does not know day or night. The baby can wake up at any time. You want to, the mother wants to breastfeed the baby. And the husband, the wife will just say, my dear, please help me pick that thing. My dear, let me pick. Even though the, my dear has gone to work and has just returned, and yet you will still be tasking him. It's a, it's a positive thing. The man will joyfully do it, although it is putting some stress on him. Some of us, we get promotion. That is part of positive stress. Every position we attain in life has its own responsibility. And that we must prepare our mind to. When we want to sit for promotional exams, it's not just the money that we accomplish it. We also should realize that there will be accomplished um, responsibility to that position you want to attain. And so and you must be able to meet up. If you, are, if you are not going to meet up with that, then you are not able to cope 
with the stress that that position is giving you. That means your men, you are not in good state of mental health. So, we have positive, yes, we have positive um, lifestyle events. And then we have some negative lifestyle events that can put us to stress. Some people may, lo may lose loved ones. Some may lose job. Some may have accidents. Just recently, one of our church members, the house got burnt. You know, a lot of things. And it's as a result of um, upsurge of uh, Nepal. She, we should not uh, put light in our house. All because we don't want to experience things like that. God will help us. So a lot of bad events too can happen that can put a lot of stress on us. That our church member, because the house is burnt, though it's not their flat that is really affected, is the, I mean, it affected the landlord's um, flat, but all of them, all the tenants, have to move out of the house. They have to go and look for somewhere to go and put their head, at least for some time. That puts some stress on them. Some of them, it may be far from where their children go to school. Some of them, it may be far from where they to go to work. So a stress comes in diverse ways. So life events can put stress on individuals. And that life event can either be positive, like I've said, or it can either be negative, like I've also talked about. Other things that can relate to, I mean, that can lead to stress, it's illnesses. Illnesses. He has talked to us about cardiac problems. A lot of cardiac problems can lead to us having stress. Stress itself is a cause of, um, of um, cardiac problem. And even the cardiac problem can be a burden to us. He has told us catalog of foods that we are supposed to be eating. Some people, they will say, ah, ah, this thing is too stressful now. Let me eat what I like. Then they want red meat. You know, my uncle at this moment wants plenty egg on my, you know, on my food, on my yam, or with my bread, all sort of things. That alone is a stress. The use of drugs as well. Some people will bring out the bag of the drugs that they use. You will see it as many as anything. That alone is stressful. Taking medication also is stressful. So sickness can bring about stress onto us and work our work can be a sort of stress unto us like some of us that work in the hospital <laughs> some of us that work in the hospital you have to be up and doing because you are dealing with lives unlike those people that deals with pen and paper you you can as well say okay let me leave this Tomorrow, I will come and do it. You can't postpone giving injection to somebody. I am a nurse. A nurse I mean, a patient cannot be due for injection by 6 o'clock. And I'll say, I'm so tired now. I will postpone the injection 
till 6 30. What kind of a nurse will you call me? Lazy nurse. Irresponsible nurse. Because I have not met up with my daily activity. I have not been able to, you know, do what I suppose to do. So our work can pose a lot of stress to us and to students in the school too. A lot of work. I remember when my children were still in the primary school, nursery primary school. Their teachers will give them homework. It is me and them that will do the homework. It's got to a time I say, am I the one you are giving this homework to? Oh, my children. Because they will always be on your neck. Mommy, come and do this thing for me. Mommy, come and do that. Couple with your own work at your own working place. And the house chores that you need to do. And also, you know, your responsibility to your wife. I mean, to your husband as a wife. Or to your wife as a husband. So the work, you know, is work also can pose stress onto us. Then home front. My brother has really talked so much on the issue of home front. Our relationship with our spouses. Our relationship with our children. Our relationship with our in-laws. Our relationship with our um, with, with, you know, with our own parents as well. Home front is very, very important. And we need to balance things up. We need to do things the way they should. We have to meet the needs of everybody. So, the finances is there, even in the home front. And that has put a lot of stress on males, on our men. They want to meet up with the financial obligation of the home. They will walk, walk, walk round the clock. They will still come home. The wife will still want them to do what they are supposed to do as a husband. The children too will always want them to do what they are supposed to do as, you know, the father. Even the same thing goes along, you know, with the female as well. Responsibility brings a lot of stress on our ways. And we pray that the Lord will grant unto us the wisdom on how to balance all these things in Jesus' name. Then I talked about individual differences. It can be a source of stress as well because we are different from one person to another. Our personality, we have different personalities. We, you know, we do things differently. The way I will do things different from the way he will do, I mean, you will do your own thing. The way of thinking, we are different in the way, or in the way we think. Some people, they overthink about issue. When, they, when somebody tells them something, they will continue to ruminate over it again and again and again. And it will get to the extent of affecting their normal activities. Somebody sometimes told me that me, when I'm driving, I don't, you know, put my head into what anybody tells me all around me. He said there was a day the Holy Spirit taught me one thing. I said, what is it? He said, I was driving. And, you know, one of these commercial drivers said, you are stupid. 
You are foolish. He said he was infuriated that uh, uh, why can you how can you call me foolish? How can you call me stupid? And you see, this person <laughs> is a Christian. And I said he wanted to reply, and the Holy Spirit told him, Are you stupid? He said, No, I'm not stupid. Are you foolish? No, I'm not foolish. Then go on. And he just went on like that. He said, Anytime anybody says you are stupid, he said, I'm not stupid. If I begin to answer you now, that means I'm stupid. If I begin to answer you now, that means I'm foolish. So I just move on. That's your own palaver. Continue to, you know, think about it. He said, before that time, he will get to him and say, ah, that man, he called me foolish. And I did not retaliate. He called me stupid, you know. And it will begin to affect your normal activities. When you are supposed to use your normal time to be doing something else, you use that period to be thinking and thinking and ruminating over issues which is not supposed to be the lord will help us in jesus name so our personality our attitude to things our the way we we we, we think we do our things our physical health also can be a sort of stress unto us i've talked about that and also talk about um our experiences in life our experiences in life can be a sort of stress to us. So, all these things we should put in mind, not to allow it to be a sort of stress unto us. Stress, is it our friend or our foe or our enemy? Stress in little quantity, like I've said, is our friend. Stress in little quantity is a tonic for us to cheer up to be able to meet up with immediately my child was told that you have exams she started reading she started reading and she was able to do the exams despite the long holiday but by the time this stress becomes too much it's like an inverted you when you are plotting a graph this is the stress on this side and this is the no this is the stress on this side and this is your production the your productivity on this side this is the angle the angle l or angle 90 is the zero level as your stress is moving you will see the graph going up you are being productive you are being productive the stress is continue like that you are being productive but it will get to a certain point that when the stress continues like that, whether positive or negative, the individual will break down. And you have the you coming down, the graph coming down. So instead of the individual to be more productive, the, product, the productivity now reduces. And at that you know, point in time, the individual can break down having physical illness or break down having mental illness. And mental illness can present itself in various ways. It can present itself as a minor um, psychiatric illness or a major psychiatric illness. Some minor psychiatric illness, we have anxiety, any little thing. 
you put it to heart. And the Bible says we should be anxious for nothing. Any little thing. Hey, you hear, go, maybe it's just a banger. Somebody is, you know, blowing somewhere. Hey, I want to today, oh, the robbers are here. And you begin to panic. And you begin to, you know, you know, to be anxious about it. Anxiety is a minor mental illness. It affects the heart, just like it has told us, but it affects the brain as well. Phobia, or what we call fear, undue fear, is also a minor mental illness. Fear of water. Somebody wants to travel, and because your vehicle we, you, your vehicle gets to um, is it Lokoja now? Yeah, and it has to pass on river. What river is that? River Niger. And say, hey, see water. And begin, this person begins to perspire. person begins to, you know, fidget. Some people can have fear for water. Some people can have fear for height. Some people can have fear for animals. Some people can have fear for cockroach. Some people can have fear for anything. Some people can have fear for that place. Immediately, the neighbor take off like begin to see the person shouting, hey, hey, egbe no wao, egbe no wao. And by the time you check the vital signs of that individual, the pulse rate, high. The blood pressure, high. All because of darkness. Some people, it is open space, though. Once the individual talk and you can hear the echo of his or her voice, voila, they. And we say, ah, yeah, where is this place? Where am I? This and that. Some people have issues like that. Those are minor mental illness. And we have what we also call um, this eating habit. Uh, I forgot, you know. Eh? No. No, not gluten. Um, uh -uh, it's very common to females now. No. No. Uh -uh, why did I forget? That female will want to say, um, I want to remain slim. So I'm not going to eat. Diet, there is a name we call it in psychiatry. Uh -uh, why did it... Uh, eh? They will be watching their weight unnecessarily. Eh? I will remember. Let me continue. By the time I remember, I will tell us. It's very common with our ladies. But it's also occurred now, even in adults. They, want, they have um, dislikeness for food. They want to keep fit. And so they will refuse to eat. Another illness, I mean, one of the major mental illness that we have is depression. And depression has become an epidemic now in the whole world. It has become a major public health issue. And it is depression that leads quite a number of people into having, I mean, committing suicide. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. God has told us, he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whatever the burden of our hearts may be, let's put it on Jesus. The Bible says that 
Depression is very, very common now. And it starts little by little. And we tend not to put heart into it. We see somebody that has been jovial before, all of a sudden withdrawing to our shell or to his shell. And we are not asking questions. We see somebody that has been very productive, all of a sudden the productivity reduced and we are not asking questions. Instead of asking questions, what really happened? We are busy labeling the individual. We are busy labeling the individual. This is our advocacy. That once we notice a change in an individual, be it male, be it female, be it old or young, please, let's ask questions. That is the way that we can help the mental health of the individual. The individual will realize that at least somebody cares. At least somebody notice what is wrong with me. So depression is very, very common now and is a major mental illness. We call it a mood disorder in which the mood of the individual become so low and the individual be begin to exhibit symptoms like delusion of unworthiness oh this life is not worth living this life is everything you see the individual being despair you see the individual having apathy towards things that this individual will have ordinarily normally embraced Oh, they call for somebody to, I mean, people to come and do things in the church. You see this individual on the normal ground will come and, you know, give a happy hand. But this individual, all of a sudden, maybe because of one live event or the other, the person is now having depression and we are not asking questions. God will help us in Jesus' name. Symptoms like the individual having dislike even for food. Yes, I remember the name now, anorexia. Anorexia, we call it anorexia nervosa. <laughs> In which the individual, especially our ladies, I'm keep fit. I want to be a model. I want to do this. You know, and they will refuse to eat. And at the end of the day, it will be affecting them physically and also mentally as well. So it's one of the minor mental illness. Now, in depression too, we have something we call anorexia is part of um, symptoms of depression in which the individual will not eat. He will have dislike for food. We have um, delusion of unworthiness, like I've said. We have nihilistic delusion. The individual will tell you that my stomach is diseased. So I cannot eat. If I eat into that stomach, there will be a problem. Even though there is nothing wrong with that stomach. But the brain is telling her or him that 
your stomach is disease. That's why we call it nihilistic delusion. And there is another one we call hypochondriacal delusion. In which this, the individual will say, I don't even have stomach. Oh. So if you ask me to eat, which stomach is this food going to? Depression. The individual withdrawing to himself, not relating with the, you know, with neighbors, with children, with wives. Like the man that you talk about, sir, depression may be setting in. It may be as a result of events that has unfolded in the home. Maybe with his wife. And, and a lot of things lead to depression, which I, will, I have mentioned before, life events. Loss of loved ones, loss of properties, loss of job, things like that. And some people, it runs in their home. It runs in their family. That is hereditary. And there are some people, they are being affected at the point of birth. That's why we always advocate that when a woman is pregnant, go to a qualified hospital. A marker lobby must see just any place. Like this vacuum delivery, it's outdated. But in some places, they are still doing it. Using instruments to pull out baby you know, from the woman. Maybe the woman is incapable of bringing out, down out the baby herself. And they will now say, okay, let's do vacuum delivery. They use vacuum to extract the baby. The, baby, the baby's head is still tenable, as in it's still, it's not, it's still tender. It's still not yet formed. So if we pull it anyhow, it can affect the baby as the baby is growing up and it can lead to quite a number of mental illness instead of some people they will tell them you are going to deliver through cesarean section I say hey loru ko jesu i reject that in jesus name and what not people lose cesarean section one shall long and bo she won long long shall when i have my first child it was through cesarean section when I had the, my second one, they are twins, it was normal births. So, one will have thought that it is the twins that will deliver through cesarean section. But God just chose it to be like that. My first time, cesarean section. The second one, I delivered them myself. Even when nobody knows that they were twins inside. It was at the point of delivery that we know that we have twins. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, if, you, if they tell you in the hospital, you have to deliver through CA. Don't say, hey, no, I reject that in Jesus' name. And you now carry your wife to somewhere else. And they now use vacuum delivery. Or maybe before you get to somewhere else, your, your wife deliver. And the head of the baby hits the ground of the vehicle or wherever. Those are the things that can lead to mental illness and how do we you know prevent all these things i've talked about stress planning is very very important let's plan our lives let's plan our lives let's i mean also use jethro's um jethro's phenomenon what did jethro tell uh, moses he said delegates you know things at home, you can delegate work. 
Oh, yeah, BC, you are to, the one to do this. Tola, you are the one to do that. My wife, you will, be, you will do this. At work, let's delegate. So that stress will not be too much on us. When our wife wants to deliver, let's take them to, you know, correct hospital. Let's correct midwife or doctors, you know, take their delivery. Accident also causes of mental illness. When indi individual, we have um, head injury. Let's drive carefully. Live events, whether positive or, um, or negative, let's take life easy. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let me just round it up with this as a take home for us. We still have opportunity to say, I mean, to ask questions. Stress is your friend, but it can become an enemy. Be your own stressometer. Begin to look, I mean, check on yourself when you are begin to feel apathy, when you are begin to feel some things. Recognize your own stress or stressors. Deploy every coping mechanism and then have faith in God and his word. God will help us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Ma. Any question? Ma, when it comes to psychiatrics, especially if students would like to study, they say, ah, ah, why are you going to study, you know, about mad people? Is psychiatrics all about madness? That's the first question. And how can a young people here learn, you know, in order to go into that uh, profession? That is the first question. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you very much. Well, I am a psychiatric nurse. So before you become a psychiatric nurse, you have to do your general nursing first. So if you want to become a nurse, you need to go to the university, become a nurse, then you now specialize in, being, in doing psychiatry. And the same way for doctors as well. They, of course, first of all, become a general practitioner before they now specialize in psychiatry. Now, psychiatry is not all about mad people. And it's not all about seeing people on the way, people that are depraved, you know, things like that. There are some insidious illness that we don't consider to be mental illness but they are mental illness take for example um epilepsy epilepsy is part of mental illness and we take care of that in psychiatric hospital as well and even those people that are depraved on the road they are human beings they need to be taken care of jesus christ healed them before and so he's giving us the opportunity to to also take care of them thank you Let's clap for Jesus. Then the question here to you, Ma. All right. Sir. I think people are preparing to ask uh, Ola some really serious question about hypertension, about cardiovascular issues, coronary hydroplastic. God bless you. So please just put your questions down, please. Ma, he said, what should we do when we notice depression in the life of an individual? And such individual refuses to open up, even when we try to assist what should we do thank you very much when we realize some issues in the life of people and we realize that this and is depression. tending towards depression. depression 
we need to continue to show love to such individual. If you relate well with me, I'll be able to open up to you. But if you have been the type that it is because of my problem that you are now coming close to me, I may not open up to you. So we must be able to relate well with people around us. So that if they have problem, they will open up to us. And if I have problem, I will open up to you. So the first thing is that we must relate well with people. And when we want to ask them questions, it's not a derogatory question. Ah, is that how you behave? No. That is not the way to do it. God even talks, I mean, God even told us that we should correct people in love. So if you want to ask such a question, ask in love. Let the individual realize that you care about him or her. So if you are now giving advice on what to do concerning whatever issue, they will be able to open up. And if the individual will not open up, and you are already noticing some signs, so that this individual will not go and kill himself or herself, please talk to the person that is close to this individual. Maybe the, the, the pastor, maybe the family member, somebody that you know that this individual respects. Even if the individual will not open up to you, it will open up to you know, the individual they are going to tell once you start noticing such signs. And if all of these fail, please, the law of our country still says that we should help such individual. There are I mean, involuntary admissions in the hospital. We can take the individual to the hospital for the individual to be seen by either by a psychiatrist or by a psychologist. God will help us. Amen. Thank so we you. should get close to ourselves, not because we have issues or you notice an issue, but let's get to talk to ourselves. God will help us. Question. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My question is for my brother. When I had my second child, I've never had issue of BP or anything like that. So when I had my second child, I discovered my leg was swollen. So when I went to complain, they told me, okay, and not swollen, I, I used to have this palpitation, and I've never had it before. So I want to ask, does childbearing comes with all these things? Yeah. So during childbearing, especially during pregnancy, uh, most people have uh, what we call edema, like leg swollen, like you rightly said, just because there's a little bit compression on the veins that return to the heart. So most time, as your pregnancy develops, so there will be a little bit obstruction in the return of blood coming back to the heart. Then there will be some kind of what we call venous thesis. That is, there are some fluid that are retained in your leg. Not because you have problem, just because there's a big pipe that the blood is supposed to carry back to the heart that is being obstructed. And if you notice, after child's birth, you're gone. Now, if you're not having palpitation during that time, it might be of two things. Now, during child birth, there might be more demand 
for your baby, placenta demand. Most times it used to, it used to happen at when you have passed your second trimester, not at your first at all. You don't see it when you are tilting towards the third trimester. That's when you are usually we usually see that in pregnancy. Although some people call it like pseudo palpitation in pregnancy, which is normal. And after pregnancy is over. But if that kind of thing persists after pregnancy, then you might have to be evaluated or what we call the general cardiovascular evaluation to know what are the electrical conduction in your heart and that alone once we find out what could be the cause then we can stop it but palpitation during uh, what they call a pregnancy is usually pseudo it's not real it's because of maybe some kind of anxiety or most time is anxiety so we usually don't pick if you're not if you're not talking of maybe pregnancy you're having some kind of hypertension during pregnancy eh, with it then we can start working you up for cardiac event but sincerely after that you shouldn't have palpitation the question i want to ask you now after delivery do you still have palpitation after delivery so after delivery, you need to see a cardiologist to first of all we need to do an ecg to see the electrical conduction of your heart then after that you do what we call echocardiogram just to see the structure of your heart and see whether they are fine because we need to know for a young person you shouldn't be having that kind of thing then when you are started having that palpitation did they place you on drug did you use anything different okay Yes, I did. I'm just saying, after I had my baby is two plus now. She'll okay. Be, she'll be three in March next year. But after I had her, I've never had when I had my first boy. So when I had my second child, like some months after, I started having it. So I went to complain. So I was giving drug. But I've never, I, I didn't have it after. I'm just saying, does that, is it normal? Like you should have it after having a child. It's not normal. Okay. And thank God they were able to stop it. Then, please, ma'am, what I would advise you is do a general checkup on yourself. It's a, what we call cardiovascular evaluation. You see, there are things that maybe pregnancy might push out for you that you should not let go. So you need to do proper cardiovascular evaluation. Let them know the status of your heart. Do an ECG, do an echo. Let them do your cardiac markers. Then they will be able to, it will guide them. Because I'm sure the drug they are going to go in, we will call them beta blockers. They are rate control drugs. They just calm you down and you'll be fine. But meanwhile, if the cause of the problem is still there, once you do a cardiovascular evaluation, they will be able to see what the problem is, then eat it at that point and you won't worry yourself again. That's all. All right, thank you so much. To you, ma. Is that relating to your session of avoiding food and stress or pressure, the avoidance of certain food, does it necessarily indicate pressure or stress? Avoidance of food, does it really indicate, yes. He said the avoidance of certain food, does it necessarily indicate pressure or stress in a way? Well, um... The, when I mention food, I mention the issue of anorexia nervosa when people will 
unnecessarily be avoiding food. Does it indicate pressure or what does it? Yeah, can it lead to pressure or stress? Or is it as a result of pressure? Yeah. Uh, it's because the individual is already developing mental illness. The individual is already developing mental illness and the brain is already telling him or her, you don't need this food. That's why, you know, this um, stress is, is now being mounted on the brain, on the thinking faculty of the individual that, you know, there is a problem and which can also lead to major illnesses. There are some other things that we take that is already, is also not good, you know, for our mental health. And he mentioned it when he was talking. And that has to do with alcohol. It has to do with drugs, hard drugs. And it is very, very rampant now amidst our youth. And it can put a lot of stress on our mental health. Drugs, you know, drugs that are not prescribed. And because so-so person have taken it, me too, let me go and take it. That is drug abuse or misuse of drugs. And some other drugs like cannabis and the rest. And to our children, children, please, I'm talking to you now. Please, don't be too inquisitive as into people are eating things or drinking things. I want to go and drink it with them or I want to go and eat it with them. We used to have various cases in our hospital and it's as a result of unnecessary, unnecessary inquisitiveness. Cannabis has already been put in Indomie. Cannabis has already been put in, inside beans. Cannabis has already been put inside um, drink. And you see people going to take it. Like a case of somebody already in 400 level in the university. And just inquisitiveness. I just want to know how it feels. He went ahead. He took the beans that had already been mixed with uh, cannabis. When I say cannabis, I mean Indian hemp, which has already been mixed with Indian hemp. And that made him to go haywire. And he was caught 400 level. When others were doing exams, he was not allowed to do exams. And the parents struggled to send him to a private hospital. I mean, private university. Now they have to pay for the session back again by the time he is well. He had to be sent to a mental home, you know, to be treated. Don't be too inquisitive. Whatever your mommy or your daddy gives you from home, be surprised with that. Let that, what your parents give you to take in, uh, in the school, let it be enough for you. Don't say this person brought cake. They even mix cannabis with cake now. They mix it with all sorts of things. God will help us. Some people, they call it Colorado. They will mix minerals with um, alcohol, with cannabis, with all sorts of things. They call it Colorado. And they share it amidst themselves in the school. Don't take what is, your parent has not given you. It leads to mental illness. God will help us in Jesus' name. Thank you, ma. But how can a young man come out of that situation? Someone that probably took like hard drug, India hands or all that. How can, this, how can such a person come out of it? Such an individual needs treatment. And we do the treatment in mental home. We have various private mental homes. And we have hospital, I mean the um, 
government-owned mental homes. We have one at Yaba and Oshodi. We have one in psychiatric hospital Aro. We will not be victims of such. But if we have such, we have, I mean, victims or people like that, we need to help them. It's not something that can be taken care of at home. Because I used to tell people, I work in drug wards for, you know, several years. The first bottle of beer you take, we take the, sec the second one. The second one, we take the third one. The third one will take your whole life. Because you will not be able to control it again. Alcohol, drug, they are devil on their own. On, on the, on their own. Once one falls into it, it takes the grace and the mercy of God for such individual. And the individual needs help. And that help can be given in mental home. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Sir, I want to ask uh, about... Uh, um, blood pressure. I want to ask about hypertension. Sorry, I want to ask about BP. I want to ask if it is natural or hereditary. Because I remember when I was pregnant, when I had my first pregnancy, at my first trimester, I was diagnosed of um, high BP. Yeah, pre pregnancy prevails. Induced hypertension. Yeah, induced hypertension, and they manage it until I put to bed until I put to bed. And when I had my second child also, it came up. The BP also came up. And the doctor again managed it until I put to bed. So I want to know what could have been the cause of it because my daddy never had IBP, even my mom. But throughout the two uh, children that I had, I had BP. Let me break it down from the way you asked the question. Is hypertensive natural or inherited? They are both, yes. There is natural hypertension, natural. Natural and that is, is inherited. That is you. You inherit it, it's, it's in your blood, your gene. It's in your gene that you have it. But for you, since your parents don't have it, then that is not for you, but it can be natural, and that is what we call the inherited one. Now, the other way that I know what you are putting as the other type is uh, hypertensive can be caused as a result of our activities, our own personal lifestyle. If you are the type that eats a lot of salt, if you are the type that is being stressed all the time, if you are the type that has what we call diabetics, you can develop hypertension. Now, for your own case, all these things surfaced when you are pregnant. And that means it is somewhere within your system. But because you are pregnant, that brought it out. And I will say... Thank God you have good doctors that manage you because this also kills. And it is good for you to keep track of your record. Be with those people that knows you, even if you are going to have another baby. And as time goes on in life, you need, by the time you are clocking 50, 
you need to be checking your blood pressure consistently. And even I think you need to follow up with your status, maybe once in a while. I like you if I get it right, you are back to your normal pressure state, right? So so that means you need to be on the primary drugs for hypertension. Because see, hypertension doesn't live like that though. People can manage it very well that you will not see them with any symptom. Their blood pressure, even if they walk up to the hospital, they don't have it. You look at but trust me, it's because they are complying with their drug, they are complying with the lifestyle, and they have modified their own diet to the to the way that their blood pressure does never shoot up. But that doesn't mean they don't have it. So for you, my candid advice is you have to see your cardiologist, table your case, and let them monitor you. There's something we call altar monitor. That one is being, it will be wear for you. Then they will, you wear it for like 72 hours, 48 to 72 hours. At times they can do 24 hours for you if your blood pressure is too high. And what that does is this. You wear a blood pressure monitor around the cloth for like 48 hours. It measures your blood pressure every five, five minutes, whatever you are doing. And at the end of the day, it gives us average blood pressure for you in that for 24 or 48 hours. And with that, we can tell you this is your baseline. This is your baseline blood pressure. And with that, that can guide us whether you, have whether you are hypertensive or not. And I think if I am your doctor, that is where I want to start. Then that cannot guide them on what drug you need to take. And please, if you have ever found hypertensive, you need to stick with your drug and always check yourself regularly. I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much, Ma. Um, Abra, the Lord bless you. Sorry, I, I think I have two questions. To you, sir, first. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, do, I used to believe that hypertension or high blood pressure needs to do with our age. That's in those days. Um, those who used to have hypertension or having this, um, uh, uh, what's it called, high blood pressure, uh, age people, were discover a, a person of 17 years, 18 years, they have been hypertension, having high blood pressure. I was like, what's going on? And then, I want to ask also, I have, I have somebody that is 80 years, my mom is 80 years, and she doesn't have hypertension. And she eats whatever she likes. You're she right. Has, I have never seen her in the hospital before. My mom, since I, I have never seen her. Hey, there was time we don't know what to do. We, we, she got sick and then we like, let's test her whether she have hypertension. She didn't have, I was like, ah, what is inside of you that you don't have? So I was like, what's going on? Somebody is 80, he doesn't have, somebody is 17, 18, and the person cannot live without drug. That's to you, sir. Ma. Sir, let me just ask you, ma. You know, um, somebody that is depressed, he, the person has refused to open up. And you mentioned something. You said that can lead to suicide. For example, the lady that, you know, jumped to Lagoon sometimes ago. A particular lady, even this year also, killed herself 
because of one thing or the other. And I asked, I said, these people, if they open up, maybe one app or the other would have come to them. But now they refuse to open up and they are jumping and killing themselves. What is going to be or a kind of solution to them? Okay, let me let me start so that we won't miss it up. So uh, it is right. Uh, elderly people around that age they might not have hypertension, and I can even say my own, my mom too. She's seventy six, and she she was part of the WASE study we did. And let me say, let me just give you a little bit details of how we did a study on the heart in Africa, especially Nigeria. We pick different age group, and we look for people that has normal heart. That is, their blood pressure is normal, their lipid profile is normal, and they are in their utmost health that they are functioning well. And as at that time, my own mom fit into that and she's 76 she's not hypertensive she's not on any drug in fact she used to be the i used to think it's because of a kind of uh, athletic behavior when she was young because they said she's the eighth girl of uh, if, a, if a girl's college in ife city it's not ife city college in ile ife she said she they said my mom used to speed like so i think that's one of our own, but I told Prof that time, like, I'm not sure, because we were able to get maybe like five of our age group that were normal, and I, I wish we had your mom too, at that time, we'll have included them, because there is a guideline the Chinese, Americans, Europe used for us before, but this time around, we now have a guideline for Africans, we the blacks, on the definition of hypertension and all those things, so it is possible. For people are that but let me say this most times as you're going older you start having your arteries getting degenerated and you might be having some kind of atromal deposit which is the precursor of hypertension and actually the definition of hypertension stated clearly is peripheral resistance whenever you have any occlusion in blood flow in any part of your system it tells on your heart and your heart starts having uh, what pumping against that resistance and then then your blood pressure keeps going up now in a 17 year old child if you are seeing hypertension my brother there's a big problem on ground most times when you see that in a young person it is that they have some aortic disease or at valve disease there's something we call the valve resistant aortic defect and when there's a valve that keeps opening and closing when the heart pumps when there's something wrong with that valve there might be backlog of blood then the the heart will be pumping against resistance so many resistance then that alone can tell you there is a big problem going on. And if a patient has what we call aortic aneurysm, there is a big vessel that carries blood away from the heart. And if that vessel is a little 
is a little bit compromised. That is, there's a, there's a dilatation in the altar. Then that can cause hypertension because it is not normal for us. Something that is as tiny as this has already pumped open, then there's gush of blood in that part. Then it's very common. I have a 22 year old girl that we did aortic, we call it bentor, aortic surgery for. And the only presentation that saved her is she's obese, and her mom always says she should follow her to the hospital. And she came to our hospital. And she just sat down with the, what do you call it, with the nurse, uh, the nurse at the nurse station. And they checked her blood pressure. It was reading 190. Then they asked her to see the cardiology. They gave her some linger nitroglycerin. The blood pressure wasn't going up. All of a sudden, we said, let's do ECG, let's do echo. And we quickly sent her for CT, uh, CTPA to see what's going on. Now, when they do the chest CT, we realize that he has what we call aortic aneurysm. And that's a big problem in young people. So when you see a young child being hypertensive like that, I, I believe if the doctor is actually checking properly, they will get what the problem is. It is not like the normal hypertension you see in the elderly people that you see in a small child except you properly check and that is my candidate if you see any young child somebody of that 17 year old that is hypertensive then there is a problem but when you now see in 32 35 trust me uh, the problem is that one is genetic and is just showing at the early stage of their life and this is common with all these child children that eat all kind of John, those ones from rich home that they eat all of them. I have many of them as friends. Even when I was in school, I don't say, ah, my, my uncle is hypertensive. I say, how old is your uncle? As at, as at that time, your uncle is 34 years old and he's hypertensive. I'm saying like, how? And when you now see the uncle, they are like so chubby, you can even tell them that you need to go and do lipid profile because I'm sure your cholesterol will be high and all those things. So that's what I will tell you. It is possible for an elderly woman of that age to have a cleaner. But what I would say you should watch for, watch for is hypotension. It's very common in those people like that. When they don't have one, we have one. Is that you have hyper or you have hypo? Most of the ones I've seen, you will see that when they are sick or there's any derangement in their lab value, it's that they tick to uh, they tilt to hypertension, then you now see their blood pressure around 90, 60, and all that. And if you are not careful as a doctor and you don't know their history, you might be treating that as uh, hypertension, hypertension, and be putting them on inotropic support. Whereas their normal blood pressure is around 110, 109, 90 something. So we've seen that a lot, and we know how to manage people like that. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, as per your question, those people that have already jumped into the lagoon and those people that have already killed themselves, there is no solution to that. They have to face God. It is God that will give them the judgment for over that one. But for we that are still alive, let us speak up. 
If you see something, say something. If you see something, say something. If you see that this thing is not normal with this individual, speak out. Sorosoke generation lawai. If we sorosoke, then we'll be able to help individuals going through one problem or the other. And then don't let us be derogatory in you know attending to people, whether at work, at home, or wherever we find ourselves. You are not You are not supposed to do it like that. Kinikon, kinikon, always finding faults in what people do. A lot of people do not have the threshold to withstand a lot of things. And if we continue to talk to them in that manner, we may leg, we may make them to swing into, you know, depression. And we are not really helping them in that manner. So God will help us. It is we that are still alive that we should take care of ourselves and God will help us. Exercise is very, very good. Your lifestyle is good. Um, the eating habit should be watched. Our, uh, the exercise we do and the things we do, let's watch all those things. It helps our mental health and it also helps our heart as well. God will help us in Jesus' name. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, ma. You may proceed to your seat. God bless you. We thank you for coming. You have been a blessing to us this evening. Please give a round of applause to them. God bless.